Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 94 of the MTB podcast presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. This is Jeff. This is Jared. And I'm Liam. You almost sneezed, you all right? It was actually a cough. Oh, okay. But I am okay, thanks. We're good. All right, good news. In this episode, we're going to cover a few fun things, and then, of course, the listener questions, ranging from the best and worst places to spend money on your mountain bike, how to buy the right size mountain bike, angle sets, upside-down shocks, favorite garden hose settings, carbon bar stiffness, and much more. Wow. Did I just say garden hose settings? Who you wrote did. That? Yeah. No, oh. it's a secret. We're going to reveal that later. That's a secret. All right. Yep. Well, DJ Green Goblin, who doesn't have green hair anymore, play a sound effect. Well, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> you tell me what you got planned. Want to hear about your plans? Well, we all have plans. So yeah. uh, a few things we just wanted to mention because we're just excited. Next month, Liam and I are going to Andorra, which is a landlocked country in between Spain and France. We are going there to visit Forestall, which is an Andorran e-mountain bike company that just makes really, really high-end premium e-mountain bikes. It's a brand that we're taking on. Pretty excited about that. So we're actually going out there. Going to check out the facility, where they make the bikes, paint the bikes, assemble the bikes, all that stuff. Made in Andorra. Isn't that wild? It's yeah. pretty cool. You don't hear that very much. Yeah. The factory looks insane. It so does. I'm stoked to go there. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Forestall, yeah. I feel like, is really under the radar. And if you follow their Instagram, it's basically just Forest AL. Is that how you spell it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, check it out because it's incredible, the bikes that they're building. And the custom paint, yeah. man, and the factory where they're making all this just looks yeah. awesome. And this is in Andorra. Yep. We're going there. It's going to be cool. We're going to film some things. Stay tuned to the Worldwide Cyclery Instagram and then YouTube for some highlights of that. Ooh. Yeah, I can't wait. That's going to be a cool trip. And then all three of us are going on. So we've ta- been talking about these for a long time, Chasing Epic, which is a mountain bike adventures company. Uh, we're going to be doing Sun Valley, uh, actually just the week after we get back from Andorra, Sun Valley, Idaho, and then later in the year, Durango. Uh, both, Durango. Of those, both of those trips are already sold out. Uh Typically, we when we announce a collaboration chasing epic trip, we email it out and it sells out in about two hours. So, stay tuned to the email list if you ever want to go on one of those. That's a uh, mm-hmm. tight window. It's yeah. a tight window. Yeah. Well, there are only about what a dozen spots. Fifteen. Yeah, Something twelve like to fifteen. That. Yeah. Yeah, they're really cool. Last year we did Colorado, Crested Butte. Yep. Is that all we did? And then well, we did Mel out the year before that. Jared and I did that. You did one with the East Coast boys with Matt and David. Oh, yeah, that's right. Brevard or... uh, Yeah, in Asheville. Yeah, Yeah, that was good. We got perfect weather, which was really nice. Um, Yeah, those Chasing Epic trips are really fun, so I can't wait. I've never ridden in Sun Valley. I kind of had been requesting a little place that had a little bit more flowy trails, like Mm -hmm. some good berm slapping and jumping, and Steve, Mm. the guy who runs Chasing Epic, suggested Sun Valley, so... I don't know. I'm looking forward to that. Same. I, I think after we rode just mountains of rocks and rocks and rocks and Moab, I was like, yeah, I'd kind of rather just ride some berms or something, Steve. <laughs> um, so that's where Sun Valley yeah, came from. I don't really know. believe you. He's like, what do you mean you don't like it? Yeah. So those those trips, I think in most Chasing Epic trips are about, what, four days long? It's like four days of riding or mm-hmm. three, yeah, four days it's of riding, something like that. And they're kind of all-inclusive. You just get yourself there. You ride bikes. So Chasing Epic puts them on all year, all year long. Um, which, yeah, so if you're interested in going on one of those, check it out at Chasing Epic Mountain, Chasing Epic MTB.com. Um, pretty cool. I like the, I love the idea of all inclusive trips. Yeah. It's like an all inclusive mountain bike trip, cruise, too. but like, for mountain bikes. Yeah. 
yeah pretty sweet i mean yeah just bring your bike or even if you don't have a bike he's got a sick demo fleet yeah yeah he does yeah his, he has it completely figured out and dialed in yeah. which is fun which yeah i mean when we go on these when we've gone on them in the past we just show up with our bikes and ride and hang out with people and have a good time and it's cool you got local guides that know all the trails and you don't have to worry about figuring out where to go you just they just take you on all the fun trails it's a great time so i can't wait that's can't gonna be, be sweet um Last but not least, least but not last. Least but not last, least but not last. We're going to do a quick update on our current bike stable. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I just thought about this this morning, and I was like, we should go over bike stable because everyone's changed bikes. Well, not a lot, but mostly you, Jared, so go ahead. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> As <Well>, always. <laughs> I sold the Yeti SP100. That was my girlfriend's to our man, DJ Green, Green Goblin over here. Ooh. And he's stoked. It's a sick bike. He's loving it. Um, How often does your girlfriend ride it? She rode it a couple times. Actually, the highlight was riding it in Lake Tahoe, so I'm <laughs> sick that we got to do that together. Um, but, yeah, I mean, either way, the SB100 is gone. Um, I've got my open gravel bike, open cycle, open up, or whatever it's called. Um, my Ranger, my Revel Ranger, my Yeti SB165, currently set up as a downhill bike. Oh, you just put the Fox 40 on it? Mm-hmm. Have you seen it, Jeff? Uh, it's just a picture. Yeah, that it's looks really cool. sweet. It's amazing. So you have 27 five-inch wheels front and rear on it. Yeah. And then a 200 mil travel fork on the front. Yeah. That's rad. <laughs> and you, you just rode it once, right? On Suicide so Trail? So far, yeah. I just rode it on Suicide. and Suicide Trail. Oak Park, like California. The ultimate big bear, really yeah. like ultimate A-line dirt merchant yeah. bike. There's like yeah. park bike, like yeah. party laps for days. Like What cassette and drivetrain do you have on it? It has Eagle, but I'm going to put a downhill. I have a downhill cassette, and Liam pretty much convinced me to turn an axis trailer into like what Brandon Semenuk did yeah. to like the seven speed axis. So I'm wow. going to try that out. Yeah, I have an yeah. extra derailleur at home with a short cage that I'm going to try and put on there and like figure it all out. Getting ready for summer bike park bike. Yeah. Major bike That's park cool. vibes. Um, but that is it. I've got a gravel bike, cross country bike and a downhill bike slash and bike. Forgetting anything. Uh, Don't you have another bike with a basket on it? That doesn't count, man. It's your whole bike stable. <laughs> and then a bar bike with a pizza basket and a milk crate on the back. Okay. Just yeah, checking. that's my full. And then my girlfriend has a bike. That doesn't count. Um, it's not my girlfriend's bike. It's not a Yeti SB100, but it's have, just like a truck. Have you ridden the, uh, your dad's new bike? No, yeah. just uh, just on the street. Yeah, yeah, I was here when he was picking it up. The transition, what did he get? Repeater. The repeater. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's sick. He loves it. Yeah. He can just go ride all over the place. Because, nice. like, where he lives, everything is insanely steep. Like, you would not want to pedal it on a yeah. regular bike to get up to those trails. So, um, he's just, like, so stoked. He can just ride all over now. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Liam? You guys ready for this? <laughs> um, Don't take all day, please. Yeah, it's, it's grown a bit. I'll, I'll breeze through it. So I have my YR Plus, Y Cycles R Plus. It's my gravel bike. Um, got a couple different wheel sets for that. Then I have a Y Cycles El Jefe hardtail. Then I have my Revel Ranger. Then I have technically, I don't have it yet, but I have all the parts and it's about to ship out is my Revel Rail 29 frame and that will be built up. And then kind of. Kind of have a Forestall e-bike. Mm-hmm. I've been riding it a lot, like it's mine. Um, so, yeah. Five, not including the bike that you're about oh, to. Oh, and I, I guess I do have a dirt jumper, if that counts. Mm, six. Yeah, well, counts. What about six. the bar bike? I do have a bar bike. Seven. Okay. <laughs> but that one's, that one's been up in the garage and hasn't been touched since I moved to Newberry Park, so. 
Yeah, it's kind of a mesh to get to the bars from where we live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Yep. Yeah, that's my stable. Been really having a lot of fun, obviously on the Rebel Ranger, but also on that e-bike. It is, it's hard not to just have fun ripping like four laps of your local downhill trail and not even getting your heart rate over 150. Yeah, just because the uphill's smooth sailing. Yeah, ripping. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Mm, I don't know. Wow. Wow. I don't have any bike yet. Maybe one day. Maybe. Maybe after your trip to Andorra. Yeah, that's true. You might sell me on them out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I currently have my Rebel Ranger, which I've had for a really long time, over a year, a year and a half. That's a long time. <laughs> really long time. That's a really long time. The green one with the with the gold uh, Eagle drivetrain that I cut the large cog off. Well, Liam cut the large cog off of. Um, that thing's rad. I can't get over that bike. But because I've had it for so long, I just want a new one. Just want a different color, so I'm building a whole new one, and Technar is going to paint it. Have we told him that? No, oh, we haven't. <laughs> so, we haven't even told Technar. <laughs> Hopefully, he says yes. Yeah, maybe this is how he finds out. Will. Technar, uh, you can check out his Instagram. He does custom paint on mountain bikes of all kinds, and they look incredible. And we just had uh, a friend of ours who is starting an e-bike brand called Crestline. Yep. Uh, they custom painted Technar, custom painted one for him, and it looks so sick. And I was like. Dude, I have to do that. So I was like, I'm going to build another Revel Ranger, just get all new parts, refresh the whole bike, and uh, custom paint it. Sick. I'm excited. It's going to be so sick. So hopefully Technar is listening. But uh, you you also have a lot more bikes to cover. If not, I'll Your whole I'll, stable. I'll, I'll yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So then I have, then I have, <laughs> then I have a, a Revel Rascal, uh, you know, 29er with the 130 in the back, 150 in the front. I really like that bike um, that Liam's about to put some new brakes on, some code RSCs. Looking forward to a little brake upgrade on that bike for my longer travel pursuits. And then I have my, uh, what I call gravel bike, which is sort of a rigid mountain bike, salsa cutthroat. Um, they call that a drop bar mountain bike, but I put flat bars on it, of yeah. course, 700 by 45 C tires on it. I really like that bike. I could just do so much on it. It's really fun. And then I have another gravel bike, a salsa storm chaser. Mm. That one I just leave it in the Pennsylvania store. I'm going to ride that when I travel to Pennsylvania. Um, oh, and then have another gravel bike, Pure Cycles. I forgot the name of it. Pure Cycles didn't even make it anymore. It was big, when they were making gravel bikes. Big gravel guy. Is well, that the one in Big uh, gravel guy. I, well, see, I, I first was like, oh, I'll get this one gravel bike, this like cheaper Pure Cycles one. It was really fun. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to upgrade and upgrade. And then I was like, oh, I like it so much. I'm going to leave one in Pennsylvania, have one for the California store when I'm here, and then have one in the Nevada store. So they're kind of spread apart now. So I'm trying to remember all my bikes here. And then I have... uh I have a dirt jumper, Banshee, Banshee? Amp dirt oh, jumper. Yeah. I love that bike. Sick. Yeah, I really like that bike. I, I walk by it every time I go to the bathroom. But I did ride that at Ray's Mountain Bike Park there last November. So, yep, that thing's cool. And uh, I have um, a Salsa Cassidy, but it's not built. True. Does that count if it's not built? Working on Kinda, it. Kind of. The frame is the frame there, is so yeah, I mean. Yeah. And I kind of counted mine on built bikes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I should have been counting yours. I lost count. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have another Pure Cycles bike that was like a track bike. Um, one of my close friends founded Pure Cycles. He's, he no, he sold the company. He's no longer with the company. But um, that's why I ended up with these various Pure Cycles over the years. Um, they're making cool bikes. Totally different. Not a mountain bike company in any way, shape, or form. But I have a Pure Cycles track bike, which is single speed. That's kind of my bar bike. Mm-hmm. That I don't really use that often, and it's like the purple one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a tr- it's like a translucent Trans- greenish. It's chameleon color, Ooh. something like that. Ooh, Oil slick. I love that. Say? 
not really oil slick. Yeah, it's not. It's more of that. It's trendy. What's the word what for called? that? Yeah, there is a word for it. They make Escalades out of that color. It looks crazy. Yeah, it's like green. I love how you Then you like that. move your head and it's blue and then it's purple. And uh, yeah, it's it's a cool color. I'm going to find the word for that. Um, and then I think that's I think that's it. Well, then I have a, a motorcycle. I have two motorcycles. Do I count those? Royal Enfield Himalayan. And then I have a KTM 250 SXF. When did you get a KTM? I've had it forever. Since like oh. 2000. Is that your parents' house? 12. Yeah, I live it at my oh. parents' house. Cause I that's ride cool. Dirt bikes when I go there on occasion. Um. I think that's it. I think I covered it. Yeah. I think I've covered all my current bikes. The word we're looking for was iridescent. Iridescent. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. There cool. you go. Thanks. You go. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm excited for the summertime to ride some bike parks and build up that salsa long travel thing and put a downhill fork on it like you did with your mm. bike. Um, we were all amping about that. Are you going to build a downhill bike, Liam? Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have hopes and dreams here. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, Got to well, do it, man. I'm, I'm really... I am at the point where between my roommate and I, we are out of garage space completely. So I got to start making some harsh cuts. Mm. <laughs> gotta go. you I mean, no cr- one's, no one's making me really. Yeah, no one's making me, but like yeah. just to, you know, be reasonable. I don't need that yeah. many bikes. There's you can only ride one at a time, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said for being reasonable. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to have a lot of bikes, though. I enjoy it. Yeah. Wouldn't live any other way. Speaking of bikes... First listener question. Ooh. Sizing up or down when you are in between frame sizes. This is a great question. So it is a great question. Yeah. We've talked about this, I think, in the past, but never hurts to just keep talking about this. And we've actually made a lot of YouTube videos sort of on bike sizing. Um, it is a – people ask it a lot. It's a confusing question, especially when you're in between. You're like, oh, what do you what do? Yeah. you do? So I don't know. My, my take has always been – you know, just understanding how bikes behave differently when they're different sizes, right? So if you're riding between a medium and a large, the medium's going to maybe feel a little bit more nimble and playful on you. It's mm-hmm. going to have a shorter mm-hmm. wheelbase. Big and buzzwords. Then, yeah. Ooh, but yeah, those are big buzzwords. You're mm-hmm. right. They totally are. And then Play-ful. the large is going to be a little bit more stable. Stable. Mm-hmm. Confident, maybe. Confidence inspiring. Because yeah. <laughs> nice. the wheelbase is longer. Yeah. So it might be a little harder for you to lift the front wheel off the ground. But then you can factor in stem length, too. Because the crazy thing is most sizes, one size to the next size is a top tube difference of 20 millimeters? Yeah, yeah. 20, 25. A couple 20, of stem sizes. So not much. Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of depends on what you're looking for. So I don't know. I, I kind of just always advise people to go with what, what suits their riding style. If they're more, you know, low and planted and stable, then, you know, size up and your bike will handle great. If you want to be popping wheelies and manuals and hopping and being agile, then maybe go to the size down. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of my, my take on it. I mean, obviously in a perfect world, you could just ride both sizes. But yeah, but if you're know. in between, I mean – um, coming from my experience, my SB165, I got a medium and I typically get large. Um, but yeah, pretty much exactly like you said, it's like a kind of this bike in particular, I wanted to go for something like a little more playful and just like jumpy and not super long and like mm-hmm. massive. So I totally feel exactly that way. I can rip it around a lot more. Really. Yeah. All, it's a similar argument to wheel size too. It's right. It's oh yeah. Like totally. If you want to ride a 29 inch wheel, they just have different, it's not one better or worse than the other, just different characteristics and pros and cons to it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it just depends on the bike and what you're going for. What your preferences are. Yeah. So yeah. just think about that. Ask yourself that question. What do you think, Willie? Um, yeah, I think it's all comes down to preference. Um, I'm often in between a medium and a large and depending on the thing is, it's not like a t-shirt, right? It's even more like elusive than 
medium to one brand to medium to the other brand is also different. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that's a very valid point to make. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a t shirt. You're not always a medium um, or always a large. So I kind of float between the two and it depends on the bike. My Revel Ranger is a large. The e bike I just got is a medium. Um, yeah. They both happen to have roughly the same reach numbers, though. Yeah, just because they're different brands. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it just depends what you're going for. Like my 150, I sized down and ran a medium because even though it's a long travel bike, a lot of the trails they're riding had tight switchbacks, and I just felt it was a little easier to th- whip them around that. So, That's right. Depends on what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what you're going for, next oh. question is, what's your favorite garden hose setting? Go ahead, Jerry. Oh, wow. I'm just thinking about all the different like garden hose situations settings. and the settings I would use them in. Yeah. Um, I have two favorites. Jet, of course. I mean, if Jet's not in your top three, then don't even talk to me. Um, and then I'm going to go with angle or flat for the other one because, like, when you're washing a car, that's my favorite. Like, mm-hmm. if you're rinsing it, because um, I think it uses the least amount of water, number one, like, if you're trying to get all the soap off the car. And number two, I mean, it's just efficient, yeah. Really analytical. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this goes through my head every time I bust out a garden hose, so. Jeff, <laughs> I'm gonna go with mist. Oh, you dog, <laughs> you misty dog. I don't know. Whenever I think of a garden hose, I think of being a kid, and I used to build these forts in my, you know, my parents' house. I guess that's where you live when you're a kid. And <laughs> I'd build these forts outside and on hot summer days, and then I would sort of sneak the garden hose in through the back and turn it on mist, and then set up like a mist going on inside. Yeah, it's nice. Like was, when you're in a long line was at this a theme when park. You were a kid, or this was last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Yeah. I, sh- I should truth. do this more often. Yeah, yeah, you should. I don't know, man. Mist the mist garden hose setting is nostalgic for me. It is it's nice. Fun. Yeah. I mean, it's completely useless in most other situations. Yeah. Like when you're talking about washing cars or bikes, but yeah, um, it's playful. It's nostalgic. It's playful. It's a playful Ooh. setting. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff showing off his playful side. I'm gonna. Go with, I think, shower. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Give me a nice shower. Yeah. That's a thorough one. It's very uh, versatile setting. As long as you've got enough pressure, it's great. Yeah. I can wash bikes with it. I can water my plants with it. You can shower someone else with it. I can shower myself off. Yeah. Take a little drink, you know? Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm just ready to go hose something off. Yeah. Probably more useful knowledge for our listeners is which is better, one-up carbon bars or trail one carbon bars? Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> so I actually like this question. So a, a lot of uh, – I, I guess I shouldn't say a lot of – but this guy asked, and it's, it's been mentioned before in just conversation because uh, we made a video about one-up carbon bars quite some time ago, over a year ago, mm-hmm. over a year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, definitely. One-up made these really cool carbon bars with an actually legitimately novel design in the shape of the bar. So it's a 35-millimeter bar, and it's got the ability to sort of have this uh, vertical compliance Mm. and lateral stiffness. (laughs) So they they engineered the carbon in a way that allows it to sort of flex up and down but not flex side to side. It's like best of both worlds. You kind of want a little compliance up and down and you want, but you don't want the bars to be flexy when you turn them. So it's actually a really cool idea. And, and they made that, we made a YouTube video about it and we made a sort we did a back to back comparison. So I rode the same bike, the same trail, everything was exactly the same. We just changed out the handlebars. I think I did four different bars. I did the 
rental bars, raceways bars, and Truvative descendant bars. And the one-ups, yeah. And the one-ups, yeah. One yeah. yeah, of course. And I was I was shocked at how different every bar felt. I kind of went into that video thinking, oh, man, this is going to be hard to do. I thought we were going to swap out the bars, and I wasn't even going to notice. And not only did I notice a difference between the one-up bars, but every other bar. Like, I could tell the difference between a rental bar and a raceway bar. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty significantly different the way this works. And so I think the reason this got brought up is uh, a lot of people now know that uh, Worldwide Cyclery is a, an, an equity holder and investor and part of Trail One Components. And uh, we make carbon bars over there um, that don't have the same design as 1UP. And obviously, I've been a big proponent of saying these 1UP bars are awesome. So I think people are kind of curious about that because they know that we – uh, have sort of influence on the design of Trail One stuff. Um, so my take on it, what I love about the one-up bars is that compliance factor. I think it's awesome. It's super. It just dampens the trail. It's amazing, especially on a on a downhill bike or at a bike park when you're hitting a bunch of braking bumps. Um, or like I mentioned earlier, my gr- quote unquote gravel bike, which is a rigid mountain bike. I have one-up bars on that because of of all places where I want the most compliance. It's when I have no <laughs> suspension. Um, so I, I really like that. What I didn't necessarily like about the one-up bars was I still felt that when you kind of pull up and down on the bar. When you're pedaling, so when you're climbing out of the saddle or just kind of sprinting on the bike, you can feel that 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 compliance that's nice to sort of dampen the vibration and bumps is actually now hurting you. It just feels like the bars are flexier when you're pedaling um, and pulling on them. So I don't know. It was, it was to me. It was like in, it's just like anything in the mountain bike world. Like in certain scenarios, this is better. In other scenarios, this is better. So I actually, after that test, I realized like probably a lot of scenarios I'd like the one-up stuff, and other scenarios I actually really like the Truvative Descendant bars in that test because those were kind of still had some good some damping qualities and stiffness in them, and then but they weren't like the the race face and especially the rental bars. The rental bars felt like a steel pipe. I mean, they were so stiff, so stiff. And so I kind of left that thinking like, wow, in, in a number of scenarios, I'd really like the one-ups and pretty much everything else, I'd actually like the Truvative Descendant in terms of compliance and stiffness. And so that's kind of what I was like, hey, if we're doing trail one bars, I think we should go this route because I just kind of like this for most situations. Um, so I don't know. It just all depends. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. They're just slightly different. That was a really long-winded answer, but I've been thinking about handlebar stiffness a lot <laughs> in my life in the last couple of years. So I don't know. Anything to add, gentlemen? I know. I think you covered it oh uh, you got it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah nailed it watch our video if you have more questions if, um yeah actually that video is is pretty interesting because i i go over that and then we also put a lot of the graphics that um one up supplied us with showing sort of their their design and how it's different and i mean things have changed since then there's been more you know introduction of uh you know the brand of trail one to begin with but just all the other carbon bars and I mean, One Up definitely was first to market with a novel ball design and this concept, really. Since then, I think more people have been trying to make their carbon bars, Trail One included, kind of a nice balance, not too flexy, not too stiff, um, to just have a good good balance of that compliance stuff. So, but anyways, that is a cool video, and I had a lot of fun filming that. And I definitely, that was one of those videos I went into, and I thought this is going to be impossible because I'm not going to notice a difference. And I was like, oh shit, this is actually pretty good. I notice a difference. So it was a fun video to film. Before we get into the next question, here is an ad from one of our key sponsors. Hello there, this is Stu. I'm from a new startup funded in Silicon Valley at a $2 billion valuation called S to the T to the U to the Y. Stewie. 
What we do is we use artificial intelligence and machine learning from the IBM Watson neural cortex to figure out and help you make the best ingredients for your stews that you're going to put in your Instapot. As Instapots grazed in popularity over the last Black Friday and sales holiday season, we decided that we needed to make artificial intelligence to help you with your ingredients in your stews. So check us out at S to the T to the U to the Y. Stewie.com. We are back with the question of the question of how can a shock with the same eye to eye produce different amounts of travel? This is a great question, but I think what the even better question is how can a shock with the same stroke have different amounts of travel? Yeah. Well, there's so, a lot that goes into this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's that complicated. The answer is just math. Well, there's math. <laughs> but for the record, there are shocks that have the same eye to eye and have different strokes. Yeah. Like so, 230 by 60 or 230 by 65. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, so it's just leverage ratio. Yeah. A lot of this That's came it. about also when metric shocks just came out because they had much more small incremental uh, stroke differences. Mm-hmm. So what's called a long stroke of bike, like the SP130 is a perfect ex- example. The stock eye to eye is 210. The stock stroke is 52.5 millimeters. You can turn it into the 130 lunch ride by making that stroke from 52.5 millimeters to 55 millimeters. With the same eye to eye. With the same eye so to the eye. the geometry of the bike stays exactly the same. You simply just have more stroke length. Correct. So the rear, basically the rear end, your suspension can move an extra two and a half millimeters at the shock, which by the leverage ratio on an SP130 translates to seven more mil travel at the back wheel. Yeah, so that leverage ratio, the length of that stroke is translating to how much travel that actual rear axle goes through, and that's just different for different frame designs. Yep. Is Yeti the only brand that does that? Like, So they call it a lunch ride when it's just essentially a bike with a beefier build kit and a shock that has a longer stroke. I don't know if any other brand does that. A lot of brands mm-hmm. do it, but they almost call them like different models. Like I want to say like uh, Specialized Epic and Epic Evo. Right. Same eye to eye, different stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and one's 100 mile travel, one 10 mile travel. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's a, a handful of other bikes that do that. Yeah. I've even seen some bikes, like different sizes have different shock strokes and travel. It's like if I'm like an extra small or something like that, it's like a reduced stroke. But Well, now yeah. you're adding another layer of complexity here. Yeah. But to answer the question directly, it's 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 just all the leverage ratio. So, so it's, yeah, it's just yeah. based on that frame design, which can create a different travel amount for the rear wheel versus the stroke of the shock. When we are talking about overstroking or overshocking, uh, that is when you, you know, essentially what Liam just described with that SB30 SB130, if you put a shock that has a longer stroke, you can get more rear travel. However, caution, caution, don't just think you can do that on your bike because you might not be able to. I remember messing with this a lot when I was a kid and um, trying to figure out how I could put, you know, a a shock with a longer stroke on my bike to get more rear travel out of it. And I, I did that once on a Da Vinci Troy. This was a maybe in 2010. And uh, the the brace. So here's why you shouldn't do this. <laughs> the brace on the the seat stays. So the 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 bars that come down, sort of on the top of the rear triangle, and then there's a brace that connects the two for stiffness. That slammed into the back of my seat uh, tube. Seat tube. Yeah. 
Um, because again, the bike was not designed to do that. So typically the people who are designing these, there's all these tolerances and clearances and they design them with a certain eye to eye and stroke for a particular reason. And if you just try and neglect that and put a longer stroke on there, um, you might have your frame crashing into itself or the tire crashing into the frame. So just be careful doing that or just don't ever do that and be really cautious and do a lot of research first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's, I don't know. It, that is interesting stuff to think about because you, you do, especially when you're upgrading your shock, you're like, oh, do I, should I get the exact same eye to eye and stroke as my bike came with? The answer 98% of the time is yes. 2% of the time is there's a possibility you can overstroke it. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's even more in depth than what this question was, but. There you go. But you gave them a good answer. That's what matters. You gave them what the people wanted, Jeff. You gave them what the people wanted. And now we're going to talk about what I want. Our favorite <laughs> post-ride beer, drink, food combo. Oh, I'm excited just thinking about it. Okay, well, for starters, this is from QC Smoked Up. QC Smoked Up. I don't really, I don't know this guy personally, but he just messages us on Instagram. And he's a really cool guy. We've kind of all become friends with him because it's just funny. He is and cool. his Instagram is just food porn. Yeah. Just like good meats and oh, stuff. Yeah. Barbecue. Uh-huh. I don't know. That's way he over. Guy, this guy know. must love He's Jared. way over oh, my head. Jared must love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jared loves the guy. I think we have open invitation like both ways to hang out, ride bikes, yeah. and like smoke meat. So, well, I guess I'll go first because I'm talking. So, I'm going to go with a um, burrito with like a Modelo or Cerveza of some type, or I'm going to go with a burger from the stand and like a pale ale. Oh, just hits the spot. I don't even have to go ride a bike. I'll go get one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that defeats the purpose. Yeah. But, um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, can you follow that one up? Uh, I, I'm just a huge Southern food fan. I love fried chicken. I love brisket. Oh. So something that I – my sort of guilty pleasure after a huge exercise day, Lazy Dog Restaurant. I think those are only in the southwest, right? I don't know how many of those there are. I don't know. But that place, they've got a quesadilla. That's my appetizer. It's like this fried quesadilla. It's super good. Or maybe it's not fried, but it's like really crispy. It's like really yeah. crispy. And then I get a – it's called their southern fried chicken salad. So it's fried chicken <laughs> with like a Cajun hot sauce <gasps> and uh, – Oh, and the cornbread croutons. Holy It's crap. so good. So wow. that's sort of my guilty pleasure after a big exercise day is I get the quesadilla and I get the salad. And it's it's like 3,000 calories, I think. Best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So that sounds that's so my, good. That's my favorite post-ride. But I have to do a, a big day to justify yeah. eating all that food. With a gin and tonic. I don't, I don't really <laughs> drink that often unless I'm, you know. A beer after a ride just doesn't hit the spot for you. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't really drink beer. Yeah. Or like a okay, a Lacroix. Uh, uh, yeah, I like I like sparkling water. Spindrift. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Do you Give put just a sparkling water in your riding bottles? <laughs> no, because you can't. No, I am addicted to sparkling water. Yeah, you I act like everyone. that's a crazy question. All you drink is sparkling water. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> but no, because you can't really. It kind of fills you up, and you have to burp, and yeah. so it's not good to have while yeah. you're exercising sure. or trying to that's hydrate. True. More of a tantalizing beverage to have while you're working away yeah. at All the right. computer as a desk jockey like I am. That's true. What about you, Liam? Um, I'm just going to go with the classic uh, bottled Coke or what some call the Mexican Coke. Uh, mm. It has cane sugar in it. Yeah, those are good. Other sugar that you don't know where it's from. And a burrito. Yeah. I think that's just my go-to. Nailed it. Um, yeah. Stan would be backup. A good Poke Bowl is also a good backup. But yeah, burrito and a bottled Coke. Sounds so good. You guys Hard are giving beat. me some good ideas. 
for tonight. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, my okay. gosh. Angle set versus adding fork travel. Oh, you skipped oh skip I one. skipped a question. Skip Sorry. One. You're excited for that Best one. Best place okay. to save versus spend on your MTB. It's a great question. That is a good question. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you look at your mountain bike, you think to yourself, and you and you stroke your goatee, and you think, as you twist your goatee, you think, should I upgrade this, or should I upgrade that? Mm. I'm going to mm. say wheels and suspension are, like, two huge things that you want to have quality. I guess, I mean... I'm getting myself into a hole here because <laughs> I'm going to say everything. Well, well okay. So for starters, we actually made a whole YouTube video on this. Yeah, yeah, how to did, upgrade right? your how bike, to upgrade what to upgrade next, at. all that. Um, that was a really in-depth YouTube video. And I uh, I prefaced that whole video with the concept of it really does depend on your starting point. Where's yeah, your true. current bike 100%, at? 100%, yeah. You know, so if your current bike already has X, then you need Y. If it yeah. already has Y, then you need X. So, um, I don't know, it's extremely situational, but... Of course, you know, suspension makes a huge difference. Um, tires make a huge difference. Contact points really change the feel of a bike. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's there's definitely areas. I guess it would be, you know, there's always these really important things that matter. But what would be more interesting to know is what you shouldn't spend money on first. And like I'm going to go with cranks. I mean, I'm yeah. going with cranks, probably followed up by drive chain because a lot of drive chains work really well now yeah, yeah. even base models yeah. shimano or sram stuff yeah. micro shift stuff mm-hmm. like it just shifts great yeah it's not, you're not really getting many performance gains upgrading things no. like cranks chain rings yeah. and even drivetrain i'd also say now probably within the last two or three years down to those uh kind of entry-level bikes too wheels are also getting much better and wider yeah, that's true tubeless mm-hmm. ready mm-hmm. so that's probably another place where most likely you could you know jump around Upgrading your wheels for a while. Yeah. Honestly, even like brakes, I feel like some lower end or entry level brakes, like um, as long as you have them dialed in and like. Yeah, know, they might lack some ground. adjustment, but they're still powerful. Yeah, still yeah. have powerful, um, still have power. Yeah, like those SLX four piston brakes, yeah. like yep. those feel really nice. To be honest, I mean, those feel better than XTR to me, but. Which is crazy. <laughs> like, and they're less than half the price, probably. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I think yeah, suspension is just one thing that it's you like an entry level suspension is not going to compete with a like top line. Yeah, suspension. that that is true, and I, yeah. I think there is you know a lot of stuff. There's diminishing returns, right? So once you get to say uh, Fox Performance Elite, yeah, like that, the difference between that and factory negligible. Yeah, like not even a big yeah. deal. Yeah. but the difference between you know uh, the stock SR Suntour and Fox Performance Elite is huge, pretty monumental. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of seeing where you can notice those things. I mean, obviously, tires make such a huge difference in terms of gripping the ground. So if you have really good tires, your entire ride experience is going to be better and or different in a positive way. True. Contact points. I mean, good pair of grips yeah. makes a huge difference to me. Good pair of brakes. Um, yeah, I mean those those do matter. Saddle. Yeah, I don't know. Also, what's annoying you? Yeah. yeah, we thought a lot about this when we made that video. Yeah, yeah. We should just we should have just rolled it. <laughs> we should just rolled <laughs> it. <the> video. <laughs> just replied yeah. to this question with yeah. the link to that video. But yeah. um, it it is hard. It is it is situational. But I think what matters is kind of what we mentioned, which is kind of what not to do. Right? Like mm-hmm. maybe don't worry about things that aren't annoying you, and don't worry about stuff that really has diminishing returns. Like a lot of stuff, like drivetrains, like we mentioned, cranks, chain rings, those have totally diminishing returns. Yeah. Like spend more money, they get a little lighter, maybe a couple little features, but they still work pretty yeah. much the same. 
Or just don't throw money at stuff that still works well, right? Like if you're yeah, breaking, totally. like replace stuff that's breaking or it's going. What to you're break. happy with, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it's wearing out. You know that kind of stuff. Fix your annoyances first. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of annoyances, it sounds like whoever asked this question is annoyed with the steepness of their head tube angle because they asked <laughs> angle set versus adding fork travel. Excellent transition there. I really you like that. that. Yeah, I loved that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is a good one. I think this is a great question for Liam to answer. Um, well, the ability to run angle sets kind of went away for a couple years. Yeah. So yeah, it did. that being said, it's kind of coming back, uh, with headsets kind of getting like oversized again. So, you know, uh, let's take for instance, um, you know, some of the bikes we sell, a Yeti, a Revel, a Mondraker. I don't think any of those currently can run an angle set. So you'd have to add for travel to those, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I can't help but just chime in here and be like, angle sets, I think, are so annoying because they all creak. Really? Well, I would also say... I've never seen angle set doesn't creak. Yeah. Have you? The, the new ones are getting better because they're just... They're better. ...machined cups yeah. now. They're not like a True. oscillating bearing yeah, yeah, how that, those used that to be. That was definitely not. Yeah, the old angle sets did creak. They did... They were not fun to use. They had an oscillating bearing, like, in an alloy cup. And, like, if you know anything, like... A round yeah, metal piece and a round metal piece is going to creak. So now they're like city. machined cups with just drop-in bearings mm-hmm. that don't move around. So they're getting better. But um, I'd probably just say adding fork travel is the easiest to do. You don't have to bash out cups. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. It's you know taking your fork apart for its uh, service anyways is probably a good thing to do if you haven't done it in the last six months or a year. And, and just probably accomplishing what you want too, right? So if you want a steeper or sorry, not super. If you want a slacker bike, you're probably just saying you want your bike to be more worthy of more better performing on downhills. Therefore, you True. probably want more fork travel as yep. well. Yep. Um, but you shouldn't really go over more than 20 millimeters than the, what the bike is spec'd with. Yeah, I'd say that too. Like yeah. pros and cons of adding an angle set versus adding fork travel. Like you're raising your bottom bracket with a with adding travel, right? A little bit. And like yeah. versus kind of maintaining. Similar bottom bracket height with a yeah, set. that's a good point. You'd, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you raised your fork say twenty mil, your bottom bracket's probably only going to raise maybe ten mm-hmm. at the most, and then once you drop into sag, you're probably around a three to five mil difference. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you you could argue that maybe if you do already have a high bottom bracket on your bike, you don't want to add fork travel. Mm-hmm. Um, angle sets cons they creak. Uh, a little bit harder to install, and your bike not be able to, not might not be compatible. Right. So. Interesting. Lot to unpack there. Lot to unpack there. <laughs> I love that saying. <laughs> All right. Next Big one. ball of wax there. Yeah. Let's unpack this next yeah. one. True or false? Jeff was once a catalog model. <laughs> not much done. I don't. There. <laughs> I don't actually know what a catalog model is. Does that just mean a model that's in catalogs? Nailed it. Is that it? Yeah. How do you know? Like, well, did you you literally that? just said Someone it. Someone Google that. I mean, but <laughs> let's, I mean, I guess maybe it's just, is it that simple? I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Catalog models are people who pose for photographers while wearing or displaying a product to help sell it. Wow. So kind of, yeah, you're just Technically like. Technically you are one right now. You're kind of an extra <laughs> next to a product. <laughs> um, I've, I've, uh, I've only ever been a catalog model for kettle stuff um, because why would we pay for Real models. We just have all of our own staff be the models. That's true. Maybe we're just broke and we're just like, hey, man, let's (laughs) 
get the models from these guys. And this guy over here will put the clothes on and take a picture of him. Much yeah. cheaper talent. It just seems so weird to pay for models. Yeah. You know? I mean, what if they're just like really, really ridiculously good looking? <laughs> Well, we, we usually cut, cut it off of the neck anyway, so. <laughs> Your face true. isn't in it. Yeah, I mean, you got all the models you need right here. Yeah. I don't, um, so I that's don't a false. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, was once, I guess was once, I guess recently in the past, I was one for Kettle, so. There you go. Maybe that is a true. That's true. Maybe he it's is. true. Speaking of Kettle, perfectly goes into our next ad. Oh! Hello, friends. Jeff again. I just wanted to quickly say if you're enjoying this podcast or any of the Worldwide Cyclery mountain bike content, we would genuinely appreciate if you would check out Kettle Mountain. Kettle is the apparel brand we own and have been working tirelessly on, tirelessly? That's a hard word to say, tirelessly on for the last few years. We've got some amazing gear for on the bike and off the bike with the design philosophy to have everything be as versatile as possible. If you use the discount code MTB Podcast, you can score 40% off your entire order on the Kettle Mountain website. The MTB Podcast discount code will be active on the Kettle Mountain website through June 30th. Check it out at K. KETLMTN.com or just go to the Google machine and type in KETL. And we are back with the question of what's a good substitute for bananas? I'm allergic but want the potassium. Mm. Liam, you said you had a good answer. Yeah, I'm a big banana person. So I like always <laughs> thought bananas that were like super high in potassium. And I got proved wrong. There's a lot of other fruits and foods higher in potassium than mm. bananas. Avocado being one of them. Wow. Much higher. And I think spinach as well. Coconut water? Coconut water, I think, is also one. But yeah. I hate coconut water. I, love coconut I like water. coconut water. Good for you, man. Drink there you it. go. Hater. Hater. Hater on coconut water. But yeah, um, eat up some avocados and put some spinach in your eggs in the morning before you go But right. how do you – so here's a question, though. You can pretty much put a banana in the back of your pocket for a mountain bike ride or in your bib pocket, whatever, even electrical tape it to your bike like some people do. Yes. How do you do that with an avocado? Oh. You could probably just pick one while riding if you're in the right location. <laughs> That's just true. Open it up. That's a ridiculous notion. Mm. It's true. Bananas are mm. great, like food to eat while riding. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have to prepare your avocado before. Like you have to cut it up and squeeze it into like a goo packet. And then <laughs> 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 you could just bust it out like a goo I and like not slurp it down. Oh. I think that's like the only way you could eat a co- avocado while riding. Funny enough, there's a I recently discovered uh, a nutrition brand. I think it's called Spring Split. No, about the, oh, not the oh Split's cool. Yeah, oh, no, split. but yeah, that's no, 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 just, this this is called this is called Spring Nutrition. I'm typing in, typing in Spring Nutrition, um, Spring Energy. Okay. And it's it's a goo, it's gel, mm-hmm. gel goo. I don't know whatever whatever you call it. Um, but the ingredients are way more natural, so they're just essentially whole foods. But they're not oh, whole. Nice. But they're they're yeah. The, the ingredients are crazy. So like if you're interested in, in more natural styles of on the go goo packet nutrition, check them out. Spring Energy, uh, not sponsored whatsoever. <laughs> Haven't even used them thoroughly, so I can't give you a proper. <laughs> Can't give you a perfect review. I've used them a few times, and they're totally fine. I was going to say, um, try it. It like, makes them sick. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally unvetted. Um, but they have just – they just have – weight. yeah, so it says all real food, all healthy energy, all gut-friendly. So it's just a better – to me, it was the first goo-type gel packety thing that was 
I just had really good natural, understandable ingredients, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" Yep, nice. I discovered them at Roadrunner Sports, oh, nice. shoe store, the local shoe store. shoe store. So I don't know. I, maybe that's helpful for this uh, gentleman who's allergic yeah. to bananas. Nice. Also, uh, I just looked up sweet potato is very high in uh, potassium, and they like Scratch Labs will put sweet potato in like savory rice mm. cake bites. Oh wow! And they pre-make obviously, so you have to pre-make and put some work into it, but um, yeah, that's kind of what all of, like the pro athletes run is wow. like kind of that kind of pre-made food. So nice, hardcore sounds hardcore. great. Speaking of hardcore, what's the oh, biggest man. rock slab you've ever ridden? <laughs> <laughs> So yes, did you do that, that on purpose with that? I, oh my god, that's amazing, Jeff. What is the biggest rock slab you've? We're all ever gonna have read, the same man. answer. We've all been to Moab, slick rock, slick slick rock trail, yeah, and just Moab. The whole place is a giant slab of red rock. I don't know, but and if that's not big enough, Sedona's right. Yeah, next what about yeah. Sedona? We've all ridden Hangover yeah. Trail in Sedona. Yeah, that's Google what I was that. Say. Put that in the YouTube if you don't know what it is. Hangover in Sedona. But aside from the obvious options, I'm gonna say Detroit Rock City at Whistler. Mm, that's a big rock slab. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've actually rode that. It's like that one. It's just like you come up on it and then it's... Oh, right on the lift. Yeah. Then near the bottom. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like that one. It's the slab. Yep. Well, that's not the name of the trail, though. It's just the name of the rock No, that is the, so name, the name of the, of the trail. trail. Is it yeah. Yeah. yeah, Detroit Rock City or something Was like it, I think, Detroit Rock City and that flows in like Bottom of Slayer or something like that. That's mm-hmm. a phenomenal movie, by the way, Detroit Rock City. Is it? It's about the high school kids who go to a KISS concert. Oh, they named it's it really after the trail. Good. I used to own it on VHS. They named I it after the trail. I just dated myself. <laughs> yeah, I think they named it after the trail. <laughs> Makes God, sense. Hilarious. I think it was in theaters. Um, Back in the 2000s. <clears throat> I don't know. That's a good one. I also rode some big rock slabs actually in, in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, wow. In DuPont and that whole area. I can't remember what the name. I think it was DuPont or maybe it was uh, Pisgah. I don't remember. One of those areas over there. There was actually some pretty big rock slabs. Slabs. Maybe not as big as Moab, but they, yeah. were, they were cool. Nice. You can read the next one? Yeah, I'll read the next one. What's up with those Hell's Gate grips? Been wanting to try some, but haven't pulled the trigger yet. What's up? Uh, <laughs> <Sus>. <laughs> what what you doing tonight? Huh? <laughs> the, uh, the Hell's Gate grips are the Trail One grips, and uh, just go to the website, man, and learn all about them. There's a three-minute video on them. Oh, so Hell's Gate—it's actually pretty cool. So Hell's Gate, because um, Trail One is uh, so BKXC Road at this amazing place, uh, Hell's Gate National Park in Kenya, and so everything with Trail One, a dollar per product purchase goes back to the trail network. It's either named after and named after or goes into the trail one treasury hell's gate. So if you buy hell's gate grips, uh, a dollar goes directly to hell's gate national park in Kenya to support their mountain bike trails. And the grips actually, I think probably the vast majority of the design of those was just Liam and I, we just pretty much took all the grips that we loved the most and mortgage boarded them. So the yep. word mortgage yeah. boarded them all together. Took the features we liked and the dimensions and kind of, Told the engineer what to make. Yeah, yeah. That was, I don't know. That's it, man. Nailed it. Like Nailed it. Nailed it. Wow. And by the way, Jared, since I know you're more of a thin grip guy, yeah, uh, we are currently working on a new grip oh, in the Trail One world. Yeah. ETA 2027 supply chain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Hopefully sooner. <laughs> so I'm going to have to it, stick with my current grips for a little a, while. a little bit. But dude, you're going to yeah. love this new grip. I'm so this excited. This is essentially we're taking some of the great feedback that we've got and the really cool things we got from Hell's Gate um, and put it into a, a much more thin package. Mm. Which the Hell's Gate grip, 
I wouldn't call it's not a thick rip. We it was funny enough in the YouTube video recently we called it a mid thick rip and you're like slim thick. You're like oh, yeah. slim thick and you're yeah. like kind of like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the dad bod. It's not yeah. a thick rip, but it's, it's not, a dad bod grip. It's a dad bod grip. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, even even when we first started riding them, I was like, ah, oh, they're a little thicker than I normally like. But as soon as I kind of just gave it a few rides, I was like, I actually really prefer this because it's super comfortable on my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's actually really useful on those chasing epic trips where you ride your bike for 20 miles a day for four days in a row. And you're like, wow, I'm actually really gra- glad that I have nice, comfy grips. So I don't know. There you go. There you go, man. There you go. Hey, when should you replace your cassette? That's Ooh. a Liam question. When it's worn out. Yeah. <laughs> wise guy uh, wise guy um, what are some symptoms of a worn out cassette how about that so usually it starts with your chain you want to replace your chain mm-hmm. uh, at the wear indicator mark um, and if you do that you can get more length more much, more life much more cassette. life out of your cassette yeah. and chain ring um, probably your teeth on your cassette will kind of start looking like shark finned as you call it where mm-hmm. one side is kind of uh, has a kind of classic swoop and the other side is really kind of looking like a, the wave, uh, a wave about to crash. Um, that's starting to get kind of worn out. Your chain stretching, it's eating up part of your teeth on your cassette. Um, and you're just going to start losing shifting performance. And then once it gets really bad, actually under load, your chain will actually skip over the teeth. Um, and that's what's called chain slip. So um, it's there's not really an exact science to it, but a couple chain checking tools. If you flip them on the backside, you can actually like slot it into the, I guess what that the bottom of the, the links bottom bottom of the the cassette tooth. Okay. Um, and if you see like in between the two cogs. in between the two teeth, um, if you see like a lot of light through there, then it's probably close to being replaced. So. Interesting. Yeah, usually if you replace your chain, I don't know, sometimes it's, it's you can kind of equate it to miles, but it, then it depends on how much you ride certain yeah. gears and mm. then if you're riding in mud versus dust. And you versus J- Jeff versus Jared mm-hmm. will also have different wear. You guys are 50 pounds apart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Hammer. let's just say this, though. Yeah, I don't think I've actually signs. had to replace my cassette on any of my SRAM Eagle XX1 drivetrains um, or SRAM Eagle drivetrains, I should say. Uh, because I replace my chain so often. So, yeah. If you're more diligent about replacing your chain, your cassette will have way more life. Like years more life. Yeah. And they're expensive as heck. So, yeah. So make the investment and replace your chain more often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pro tip you can do something such as have a high end cassette and a lower end chain. So then when you replace your chain more often, it's not as expensive. Mm -hmm. I would argue against that though. Why? Because the jump from a GX chain to an XO or XX1 chain actually has not only performance benefit and shifting, but the coating and the heat treatment and the pin, the hollow pin and the strength of it hmm. actually makes it last much longer than a GX chain. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, some hard stuff to quantify. I think there is different like knurling on the on the more high-end chains, right? Like yeah, to the, help the, the pin, the hollow pin is not only hollow, but it, the way it's also flared creates strength. Well, I was just trying to be helpful, but I'll be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't, I haven't run anything lower <laughs> than the premium chain in over 15 what, years. What I would actually, <laughs> what do I know? If you really want to go cheap, I'd go higher end chain, steel front chain ring. Mm-hmm. Cause that won't oh, wear yeah. at all. Yep. That's and then whatever cassette you can afford. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. There All you right. go. That's when you should replace your cassette. 
Mm. Mm. DH bike as a road bike or a road bike at the bike park? Love this question. I might quit bikes. <laughs> quit That's bikes. ridiculous. That's just like, <laughs> do you want to use the wrong tool for the job or the wrong tool for the job? I'm going DH bike on the road because I'm going to have so much fun doing it. I'm going to jump off of curbs and find little jumps on the side of the road. <laughs> I don't know. I think I do the opposite. Yeah, I also hate being inefficient, man. Yeah. It's such a bummer to be slower than your friends. I, I would, guess, yeah, if you're doing like a road bike ride. I'm I would just like take a road DH. bike, take it up the lift, and just ride it until the tires are flat, then ride it until the rims are folded, and that's <laughs> one run. And then I would just hang out at the bottom. <laughs> drink gin and tonics you might not even make it to the bottom you might just start heckling people halfway down yeah right? yeah which yeah. should yeah. be fun i like hiking too so that's fine maybe we should do this let's go take road bikes to the bike park people have done it yeah and yeah. i've seen the video like was it uh fabian burrell no yeah. not fabian no. burrell the other french guy Yo- 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 <laughs> i think sam pilgrim did it too but yep. those guys are nuts <laughs> all right this i've been wondering for years how come upside down forks aren't common on mountain bikes as they are on motos. By upside down, they mean the like stanchions. Inverted fork, yeah. yeah. inverted, I guess, compared to mountain bike. The stanchions are closer to the axle compared to the crown of the fork. Mm-hmm. Look like they do on a dirt bike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they do have the Manitou Dorado, which is kind of the last long-standing inverted fork that... There's a couple of new bikes. ones. Uh, RockShox tried it with the RS1. Lasted maybe three Gave years. Up. Yeah. Um, then some of those German companies are doing it. Intend. Yeah. It's doing a pretty mm-hmm. sick one. Do you remember Maverick? I think the name of it was. That was a really old one. that yeah. used to respect on Gary Fisher's stock. Yep. A long time ago. Wow. Um, I, I don't know. I, I am, I don't think any of us are as hardcore engineers enough to really truly answer that. But I think from what I understand is that it's, it's hard to get, it's a better design, which is why dirt bikes have it. But it's it's a better design in terms of performance, but it's a worse design in terms of getting it as n- stiff and as light as it would need to be competitive to the existing designs. So that's where it's hard. It's like if you make it as stiff, then it's going to be way too heavy. And if you make it as, you know, if you make it as light, then it's going to be way too flexy. Yeah. So I think that's 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 the engineering challenge behind it whereas you on a motorcycle or dirt bike, you don't really have that weight sort of issue. Yeah. So it's it's just less of a consideration. Same with downhill bikes. You don't really have as much of a weight concern, which is why it makes more sense the yeah. longer travel the bikes Didn't are. DVO make a I was gonna say one for a little could have sworn I saw a oh, DVO one. Exist? I don't know. I thought it like it was a prototype maybe or something like that. I saw Fox did a prototype one back in the day. Yep. Fox had a prototype one, never never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's. I guess the answer is it's an engineering challenge that's really hard. And a lot of the engineering challenges with mountain bikes are all related to, you know, balancing performance, stiffness, weight, and durability. And I think in this situation, weight and stiffness are a really big hindrance when it comes to these inverted forks and mountain bikes. Whereas mm-hmm. you just totally take the weight off the table when you put it on a motorized vehicle. Speaking of which... I wonder if inverted forks will make a comeback with e-bikes. With e-bikes. There you go. Inverted totally fork, gearbox, e-bike. Wow. Starting to sound look like a dirt bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really Let's is. Let's just put pegs on it in the throttle and call it a day. Yeah. Oh, man. It it could. It I don't could. know. Somebody, yeah. somebody take note of this. So that way in seven years when we just have a ton of e-bikes with inverted forks... <laughs> I look smart. Push Industries also leaked a 
prototype inverted fork linkage system Whoa. contraption a, like a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, that hasn't seen a lot of day just yet, no, at least in the but. aftermarket. Yeah, speaking of weird fork designs, Trust, Trust Performance. Does mm. everyone remember those guys? Oh, yeah. Um, that is, I believe, our most viewed YouTube video ever, over this, a million views. Yep. Because we had that thing and tested it, and it was awesome, and it was interesting, and uh, unfortunately, the company folded. Yeah. Yep. Um, but go to YouTube, check it out. Just type yep. in Trust Message or Trust Fork, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting stuff in terms of forks and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. Oh, what's going to be more popular? Linkage forks with e-bikes or inverted forks with e-bikes? Inverted, I'm Inverted. Moto guys are e-bikers. Yeah. It does look cooler, too. Yeah, it, it does. does. Cool. Yeah, the linkage fork had the really, like, the, just the look of it just wasn't. It no. Yeah, it wasn't appealing. So, well, anyways, speaking of looks, you guys look great. And it looks Thanks, like buddy. this one is about to be wrapped up. <laughs> and it looks like this one's going to be wrapped up. Thank you all very much for listening. If you've made it this far, we genuinely love you. And uh, we hope that you appreciated our one funny ad and one real ad. Because we appreciate you. What do you mean? We appreciate They're both you. real. Stewie. <laughs> Stew is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comment down below if you think Stewie was me, Liam, or Jared. <laughs> Peace. 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 Peace.